Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Good morning, Project Church. Can we just give Jesus a hand one time if you're grateful for Jesus this morning? Uh, as your pastor said, my name is Jason Kane. So glad to be here. I came from Roseville area, pastor of church up there. Uh, but I've actually am brand new to the Sacramento area, so I'm just grateful to be here. Brand new, I mean, I've been here for two years. Uh, so there are some things that I haven't done. Like this is the first time I've ever driven across that yellow bridge today. Uh, so I'm still brand new. So glad to be here uh, in this area. Also, I got to give it up for your pastors, Pastor Chrissy and Pastor Caleb, just for the wonderful job that they're doing, for the work that God is doing through them. Anybody grateful for your pastors this morning? Uh, if you're a first-time guest here, I want to let you know, thank you so much for showing up. Make sure you come back when the pastors are back. They are uh, on a sabbatical right now, resting, making sure that things are getting taken care of. Uh, and I also want to let y'all know that I did not pick this sermon title. Uh, so if I had to call it something, it would not be the best sermon ever. Uh, I have a little bit more humility than that. Uh, but I just want to talk to y'all today about how to impact an empty world, how to impact an empty world. Before we get started, let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm grateful that you have allowed us to gather here today to sing praises to you, to open up our hearts and minds to hear from your word. Lord, I pray that as we dive into this message that you would open up our hearts and minds so that when we leave this place, we would leave transformed. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. 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 Today we're going to look at a familiar story from the Gospel of Mark uh, on Jesus' feeding of the 5,000. Jesus' feeding of the 5,000. Uh, if you've ever been to church, you've ever been to Sunday school, if you grew up in church for any amount of time, you know about the feeding of the 5,000. But I'm praying today that our familiarity with this story doesn't prevent us from hearing about what God has to say about our ability to impact and influence an empty world. There is certainly emptiness all around the world today, and more so now it seems like than ever before. For the sake of our sermon, we'll define emptiness this way. Emptiness is a lack of satisfaction or fulfillment that causes people to live without purpose and without hope. Perhaps as I'm talking about emptiness, you're thinking of people who are in your lives or you're even thinking of your own life. That you've come to a point in your own life where it feels as if you are living without purpose and living without hope. I mean, emptiness isn't some distant thing that happens in another country. Emptiness is around us each and every single day. Recently, I came across some statistics about our state, California, that demonstrate and prove the emptiness that's right around us. Listen to these statistics about California. In each of these statistics, our state ranks within the bottom five or the top five, however you want to look at it, it is bad. An unemployment rate, our unemployment rate is 18%. That leads to emptiness. The poverty rate here in our state of California is 18.5%, one of the worst in the world. We've got the highest income taxes in the world. I don't have to tell you that. All you got to do is look at your own check. We have the highest rate of homelessness, the highest cost of living, the worst wildfires in the country. 53% of Californians want to leave the state, and 63% believe that the American dream is dead. We are living in a state of emptiness. And I know I came here to encourage y'all this morning. As I'm giving those statistics, you're probably thinking to yourself, wow, thank you, Pastor, for sharing that with us. But the worst thing that I've heard, and I heard it this week, is that Chick-fil-A is running out of sauce, y'all. What are we going to do when Chick-fil-A runs out of sauce? <laughs> Listen, these stats paint a terrible picture 
of the emptiness that we're living in. However, it gives us an opportunity to impact an empty world. Because an empty world needs a spirit-filled church. An empty world needs a church that believes that it can impact it, that it can make a difference and make a change. Our empty world needs a spirit-filled church. A spirit-filled church is a church that's willing to love the people that Jesus loved. A spirit-filled church is a church that's willing to live out the mandate, to live with grace and with truth. A spirit-filled church is a church that's not afraid to engage with culture. A spirit-filled church is a church that believes that God can still set people free, that God can still bring the spiritual dead to life, that God can transform families and transform lives and transform the lives of youth. And I believe this morning, as I stand inside of Project Church, that I'm amidst some, amongst some people who believe that God is going to allow the Spirit of God to not just impact this church, but to allow it to infiltrate this city because an empty world needs a spirit-filled church. Am I in the right church this morning? Do y'all believe that God can make an impact and make a difference? Do you believe that God is still in the business of performing miracles? If you believe that, I believe that God can impact the world through this spirit-filled church. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to look at a passage today from the Gospel of Mark, and it's going to teach us and give us some lessons on how we can impact an empty world. If you're brand new to church, Mark is one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels tell us about the life of Jesus while he was here on earth. The first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are known as the synoptic Gospels. In other words, they tell many of the same stories. And each of these Gospels tell the story from a different angle, and they write to a different audience. So as we dive into the book of Mark today, we're going to look at the feeding of the 5,000, where Jesus goes to a remote place, and he's able to impact an empty world. Before we dive into the passage, let me give you a little context. Jesus has just sent out his 12 disciples, and they go out, and they perform all sorts of miracles. And the word begins to spread about the kingdom of God and all the work that God has been doing through his disciples. As a result of all that the disciples had been doing, we pick up in verse number 30, and we're just going to go verse by verse this morning, verse number 30, to see what happens when the apostles return. Mark chapter 6, verse 30, it says this, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, listen, Jesus says to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and rest. So they went away by boat by themselves to a solitary place. Before the disciples go out and participate with Jesus in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus takes time for them, puts them on a boat, and he says, I want you to come by yourselves to a quiet place with me in order to rest. It is impossible for us to impact the world if you and I do not have moments of rest and a rhythm of rest in our lives. So many of us fall into this temptation where we want to hustle all we can, where we're hashtag team no sleep, but we're bragging about all the work that we're doing, that we never get any rest and we never get any sleep. Let me let you know something this morning, that if Jesus had to take moments of rest, I guarantee you that you're going to need them as well. I mean, Jesus was God inside of a body, and he had moments where he had to get away from the crowd as well. So let me let you know this morning that rest is a gift from God. And if you are always hustling and bustling, you're going to run yourself short. So you better sit back and take moments of rest. That's why I love this month at Project Church, that your pastor's got enough sense to get away and rest. Because what they've been through the past year, I'm sure, would break anybody down if they're pastoring a church like a church I'm pastoring. But I love that your pastor knows about the rhythm of rest. 
And if you're going to impact an empty world, you've got to learn the rhythm of rest. Jesus often retreated, and you better do it as well. I mean, one of the things about rest is this, that you can be getting sleep but not getting rest. That you can wake up weary every single day. Lord, I don't need to just go to sleep. I need you to give me rest. And that's what Jesus promised us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This morning, if you found yourself not being able to sleep at night, if you found yourself waking up more tired than you were when you went to sleep, if you don't know which way to turn, I invite you to come to Jesus and hand him your burdens because he will give you rest. You can't fill an empty world when you first have not been filled. So that's you this morning. You need to find yourself to take a rest just as Jesus gives it. We continue to read in Mark chapter 33, excuse me, 6, verse 33. It says, but many who saw them leaving as he's leaving with his disciples, with them ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So Jesus is getting on a boat with his disciples to rest. He has a four-mile trek that they're taking across the water. And people come from all over and they meet them on the other side at the shore. Now, this miracle is called the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. But the passage says that there are 5,000 men. It does not include women and children. So many theologians suggest that this is actually the feeding of the 15,000 or even more. And what happens is because of the magnitude of the miracle, Jesus gets his disciples away to rest. They make their way across the boat. And as they gather there, the crowd is waiting on them. But remember, they were supposed to be getting rest. What does Jesus do? Verse 34, when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. Listen, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them. I love that in this passage, when the crowd shows up, that Jesus does not reject them, but he has compassion on them. These people were coming from all over. They weren't necessarily believers in the Messiah. They didn't know who Jesus was. They wanted to come and see the wonderful things that Jesus would perform. But the thing that I love about Jesus is he does not reject the crowd. He has compassion on the crowd. There's a stark difference between compassion and pity. Pity makes you say, oh, that's terrible. But compassion makes you say, wow, makes you say, that's terrible. Let me do something about it. And the Savior that we serve doesn't just sit back and have pity on us, but he gets involved in our lives and he accepts us just as we are so that he can transform us. In church, if we're going to impact the empty world, we got to make sure that we don't fall into the trap of rejecting the very people that Jesus wants us to influence and impact. Just because somebody is not a part of your tribe, just because you don't agree with what they do, just because it seems as if they shouldn't be a person that's in the kingdom of God, I thank God that Jesus says, I came not just for the perfect, not just for those who have all their lives put together but I came for every single person in this world and if we're going to impact the empty world we got to make sure that we spend enough time around empty people so that God can use us to fill them as he fills us don't reject people have compassion on them man I feel like we are in a compassion shortage in our world if you don't believe me go get uh get go go spend some time in the world cesspool a place called Facebook You go on there, you will see that we are at a compassion deficit. That rather than seeing people as God sees them, we see our brothers and sisters as enemies. 
That just because they don't vote like us, we have fallen into this trick that thinks that if you don't vote like me, then you can't be a believer. That is a lie from the pit of hell. The thing that allows somebody to be a believer is not their politics, but it is who the one, the one they put their trust in, and that is Jesus Christ. We don't need to add to the gospel because the gospel is enough. Stop allowing people to make you hate them simply because they don't have the same views as you. If they put their trust in Jesus Christ, they are your brother and sister, and y'all can walk together step in step every single day because Jesus came not for the right or for the left. He came to be above all of that mess and save the world. I thank God that Jesus doesn't pick sides, but he says, you are part of my kingdom, so be part of me and follow me. He has compassion on the crowd. Why does he have compassion on the crowd? It says in this passage, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Y'all, there are some crazy people in this world. Amen, somebody. Jesus, as he is comparing the crowd, he says they are like sheep without a shepherd. Now, y'all, uh, y'all may not know this about sheep because uh, I don't think there's probably probably not any shepherds in the room. Uh, but to this, this crowd that uh, Mark would have been writing to, they would have understood exactly what Jesus was saying. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, you may not know this about sheep, but sheep are, what's the safe way to say this? Uh, dumb, stupid. Uh, they don't make all the right decisions. They find themselves in trouble all the time. Sheep are not the wisest animals. And Jesus says they're like sheep without a shepherd. And in this world, we may be wondering why people are so crazy. It's because they are sheep. So when people act like sheep, we shouldn't be surprised, but we should point them to the shepherd that can lead them. And in this scenario, can I let y'all know something? That we aren't the shepherds. We're the sheep. Now, I would dare not come to Project Church, another church, and call people stupid, so I'll talk about myself. At times in my life, I have done some stupid things. I've made some bad decisions. I've said some things that I wish I didn't say. I am just like a sheep. As a matter of fact, I saw this video recently, and it reminds me of what my life is like as a sheep. That sheep oftentimes find themselves in situations where they're stuck in a rut. And when they're stuck in a rut, the shepherd will come, and he will help the sheep to get out and I love that he helps the sheep get out. And I say to God, I'll never make that mistake again, only to find myself right back in the same mess that I was in before. Sheep are stupid. And have you ever prayed that prayer in your life, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll never make that mistake again. And you go ahead and you make that mistake again. Well, here's the great thing about the shepherd that we have. He is a merciful shepherd. So no matter how many times you find yourself stuck in the rut, I'm grateful today that God has enough grace and mercy and compassion to get me out of rut every time I find myself in it. We serve a good shepherd. Anybody grateful for our shepherd this morning? And if we want to impact an empty world, we've got to be committed to leading people to the good shepherd that can fill them up. I mean, I'm afraid in this world today that as people are looking for a shepherd, they're looking for something to lead them, that they find themselves following bad shepherds. What are bad shepherds? Culture is a bad shepherd. It's a bad shepherd because it promises to lead us somewhere and promises us satisfaction, but it will ultimately leave us empty. Some of us follow our conscience as a shepherd. I follow my own mentality and my own thoughts, but our own thinking, how has that worked out for you? When you've done things your own way, when you've gone about it because you thought it was the best solution. I made some of the dumbest mistakes in my life because I was allowing my conscience to lead me. There's also people who follow the shepherd of corrupt people. And that will never lead you to the right place. And if we're going to be a church that helps feel empty people, we've got to point them to the right shepherd. 
That's why David said in Psalm 23 that the Lord is my shepherd. If you ever study the Psalm 23, you'll realize that the shepherd that we have will give us rest because he leads us to green pastures. The shepherd we have will give us refreshment because he restores our soul. The shepherd we have will lead us to righteousness so we won't find ourselves making the same mistakes. The shepherd that we have gives us reassurance because he allows goodness and mercy to follow us all the days of our lives. If we're going to be people that fill up this empty world, we've got to lead them away from the mess and lead them to the good shepherd that can lead them. I'm just staying in the text. The text continues in verse 34. It says something interesting. It says that there's a crowd. It's over 15,000 people. And Jesus sits down and he begins to teach them. Okay, y'all had the same reaction that folks had a couple weeks ago when I said that. Uh, Remember that this is a crowd of 15,000 people. And Jesus sits down to teach them. Right over your heads again. Uh, There are probably 200, 300, 400 people in this room. I don't know. I don't uh, accurately assess rooms. But they're giving me a microphone and a PA system so that everybody can hear me. But in Jesus' day, they didn't have any microphones. They didn't have a PA system. We call this the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. But I would like to call it the miracle of Jesus speaking to 15,000 and they can hear him. Oftentimes in scripture, we miss the very mundane miracles that happen and the same thing is true in our own lives. But I want to be a person that's filled with the spirit and notices that I should give thanks to the Lord for everything that happens in my life. Too often we're looking for the big miracles, missing the miracle in the mundane. Did anybody thank God that you had a car to get in this morning? That when you opened up your refrigerator, you had some food to eat? That when you put on your clothes, God gave you some clothes to put on your back? Listen, you may not have everything you want, but you ought to be grateful. Grateful that God gives you exactly what you need. Don't miss the miracle in the mundane. Y'all don't worry. Uh, I grew up in the black church tradition where people constantly yelled at me, so I don't mind this brother right here doing that. It makes me feel right at home. As we continue in the passage, verse 35 and 36, it says, By this time, it was late in the day. Listen. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And we have already been here, and it is very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. These people come to Jesus and they are empty. And the disciples' response to their emptiness is to say to send them away. Listen, God has put certain people in our sphere of influence, not so that we can send them away, but so that we can help empty people become filled. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you should constantly be asking yourself the question, why does God have me here? Why am I in this position? Why am I a part of this family? And it's not so that you can send people away. It's so that you can impact them. Let me give you three things. They won't come up on the screen, but let me give you three things and three ways that we can impact an empty world. First thing is this, very simple. Love hungry people. Love hungry people. I know that sounds simple and basic, and it is, because what Christ is calling us to do does not require rocket science. If we are going to impact the empty world, we have to learn how to love hungry people. When his disciples said, send them away, listen to Jesus' response in verse 37. He says, but he answered him, Jesus that is, you give them something to eat. When the disciples encounter hungry people, their solution was to send them away. Jesus says, I want you to give them something to eat. Often our response when we encounter people who are empty, who need to be filled, is to send them away. Why do we want to send them away? We want to send them away because it's easier to send people away than it is to care for them. I mean, the work of feeding hungry people is hard. Y'all ever met any EGR people, extra grace required? They need just an extra bit of grace. They are difficult to deal with, and you just want to send them away. Perhaps God has put them in your life so that you can fill them up with some grace. 
Another thing about hungry people and why they wanted to send them away is this. Empty people are crazy people. Y'all ever been around somebody when they're hungry? I got a sister. I won't expose her name because this is going on the internet. Uh, and from the time I can remember, she is always hungry. And when she's hungry, she turns into a different person. She's the sweetest person in the world. But when she gets hungry, she turns into a completely different person. And my dad always says, whenever she's turned into this different person, he used to say when we were younger, Tay-Tay hungry. Oh, I just put her name out there. Tay-Tay hungry. Anyway, y'all know who it is. <laughs> Tay-Tay hungry. Because she was hungry, it caused her to act in certain ways that weren't typically part of her behavior. Perhaps all the mess we're seeing in the world around us today is because people are feeling empty. And our requirement is to be gracious to them because we never know what somebody is going through. We never know what happened at their home. We never know what happened to them in their childhood. We never know what happened on their way to work. We never know the mess and stress that people are dealing with. So when people are acting hungry, let's not send them away, but let's run to them with grace and compassion, just like Jesus ran and came to us. Another reason it's difficult to love hungry people is because it costs a lot to love hungry people. One of the things the disciples say is, man, it's going to cost us too much just to give them a little bite. And yes, it will cost you to love hungry people. It'll cost you time. It'll cost you sometimes your own mental fortitude. It'll cost you sometimes being away from the things that you want to be next to. But our responsibility is to love hungry people. And I know you're thinking to yourself right now, man, what, what, what do I have to offer hungry people? Uh, I'm just a regular old person. I don't have much to offer. I don't have anything to give. God hasn't given me any special gifts and talent. Listen, if you've decided to follow after Jesus, he has given you and inserted into you spiritual gifts that the rest of the world need. And all of us, from the pulpit to the back pew, have a responsibility to play in the world, to give the world something. I promise you there is something that you can give to impact and fill up this empty world. You don't believe me? Let's look at verses 37 and 38. After Jesus says, you give them something to eat, they said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them? How many loaves do you have, Jesus said? Go and see. The disciples make an excuse. They say, man, there's no way that we can feed all these people. It would take a half year's wages. It is going to cost us too much. And Jesus says to them, I want you to go and count how many loaves that you all have. There's a crowd over 5,000 people, probably 15,000 plus. Jesus says, I want you to feed them. There is no Uber Eats. There is no DoorDash. But he tells his disciples, I want you to go out and give them something to eat. The disciples clearly see the problem. And if they're going to feed these people, it's going to require more of them than they have to give. As I talk about the issues that we have in this world, it may be overwhelming to you. As a matter of fact, they're overwhelming to me. And I don't see how there's any way that I can solve them. And the reality is, I can't, and neither can you. But what happens in this passage is the disciples see the problem as something that they have to solve, and they forget that Jesus is involved as well. In John chapter 6, a parallel gospel, we have another angle of this same story that gives additional detail to us. In John chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, it says this, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall, listen, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Don't miss that. Jesus says to his disciples, where shall we buy bread? Too many times we make we problems me problems. When we need to really see our me problems as we problems. 
Who is the we that I'm talking about? The we is not just you and me. The we is the God above. And as long as we have God on our side and he is participating in a miracle with us, we'll have everything that we need to impact the world. Certainly on their own, the disciples could never feed a crowd of 15,000. But because Jesus was present with them, they were, able gonna, they were gonna be able to perform and see a miracle. In John chapter six, verse eight, we read that a little boy gave up his happy meal. Gave up his two fish and his five loaves. And that little boy, who others would have saw as insignificant, understood that sacrifice is better than being selfish. This little boy understood that just because I have something to eat doesn't mean that I can neglect my brothers and sisters around me who have nothing to eat. And what I love about him was he gave what he had to Jesus, and Jesus multiplied it to make sure that everybody else had what they needed as well. Listen, if you're going to impact an empty world, you got to be willing to bring God what you have. And I know things are difficult today. I know we all want to save and make sure that we have enough just for ourselves. But the call to Christianity is a call to sacrifice. And like this little boy, there will be moments where we have what others need. And what would it look like to be a part of a church where we saw the needs of others and we gave to them trusting that God was going to supply all of our needs. What you have in your hands can be a participant in a miracle of God if you be willing to let it go. Sacrifice is better than being selfish. and We've got to learn to give what we have and put it in the hands of Jesus. When you bring Jesus what you have, and you put your problems in his hands, you better believe that when you put it in his hands, he can do something with it. The problems that you have, when you trust them to Jesus, he can do something with them that you can't do on your own. I learned this lesson from my kids. My kids, uh, I have 10-year-old twins. They're actually in your children's ministry right now. But when they were much younger, they loved to put together Legos. Now, uh, if you know a five-year-old's uh, dexterity, it is not that strong. But my, my kids knew us. If they ran into a problem, they'd bring it to me and they say, Daddy, fix it. they try to put the Legos together. they run into an issue. they run into a problem. they say, Daddy, fix it. And what I learned through that moment from my kids is I need to be the same way that when I face problems in life, I don't need to hold on and try to manipulate it and figure it out on my own. But I need to take it to my father in heaven, give it to him and trust that he can fix it for me. Whatever you're dealing with today, I want to let you know that you have a father that loves you and learn how to put it in his hands and trust in his timing that he can fix it. Anybody believe today that God has the ability and the power to solve your problems for you when you can't do it on your own? Verse 39, as we continue in this passage, it says, Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups in green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to all the people. He also divided among them two fish. I love this passage because what it demonstrates is when this little boy put it in Jesus' hands, he multiplied it. But I love that Jesus allowed his disciples to participate. He says, I'm not going to hand it out to everybody. I want you to take it and you distribute it. Jesus does not need any of us. He can certainly do the work on his own, but he invites us to participate in the miracles with him. Put it in his hands, but stay close enough to him to serve other people. We are truly his hands and feet, and if we are going to have an impact in this world, God offers us an opportunity to feed hungry people. What the disciples learned in this moment was not to run away from their problems, but to take their problems to Jesus, their provider. And their connection to Jesus allowed them to impact 
an empty world. Our ability, our ability and willingness to stay connected to Jesus will give us power to fill those around us. Remember, I said that in order for our empty world to be filled, it requires us being a spirit-filled church. A spirit-filled church is a church that is in step with the Holy Spirit, that stays close to the voice of God, that follows the orders of God found in his scripture, but also listens to the still, small voice of God. And as long as you stay plugged into the Spirit, I promise you that you can impact an empty world. But if we're exhausted and if we're tired... It often happens because we have not been connected to Jesus, that we try to do things in our own strength, but your connection to him allows you to impact the world around you. Stay connected to Jesus. Back in the 1950s, there was a blackout in the city of New York. During this blackout, people were surprised because all the lights were out in the city, but somehow the Statue of Liberty was standing illuminated. There was chaos all around. People were trying to figure out what to do in the dark. They couldn't eat. They couldn't turn on their lights, they couldn't take a bath, they couldn't do the basic things in life, but somehow in the midst of this chaos, the Statue of Liberty was standing illuminated. People were trying to figure out, how does the Statue of Liberty have lights, but nothing else has lights right now? In my house, I don't have any lights. At my job, I don't have any lights. When I look around, none of my neighbors have lights, but somehow the Statue of Liberty is lit up, illuminated. Where is it getting its power from? And what they discovered was that the power source for the Statue of Liberty was not in New York, but it was in New Jersey. So while it was in New York, it had a power source outside of its environment that allowed it to shine brightly in that world around them. Can I let you know, church, today that in the midst of the chaos of this world, amidst the darkness of this world around us, that we got to make sure that we're plugged into the right power source that's outside of this world. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And as long as we stay attached to the Spirit, he'll allow us to shine brightly in the midst of our chaos. We got to make sure that our connection is secure, not in this world to worldly things, but to the God above who can fill us up every single day. Then finally, we read this in verse 42, that they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up, listen, 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. In other words, they had leftovers. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Whenever you find yourself in situations you know that the empty world needs to be filled. you got to expect God to move. We read that all were satisfied. What began as a problem turned into a miracle. And I love that God will take the problems that you face and turn into something that works out for you. I close it with this today. Physical miracles are always, excuse me, physical miracles always have a spiritual message. And that message always points back to a revelation of who Jesus is. So when we read about miracles in the New Testament, they aren't just there for our entertainment. They aren't just there so Jesus could feed a crowd. No, they're there to reveal something about who Jesus is. When Jesus encountered the woman at the well, Jesus was revealing to her that he was living water. When Jesus opened up the eyes of the blind throughout the Gospels, it shows us that Jesus has power to open the eyes of those who are spiritually blind. When he raises Lazarus from the dead, that was a wonderful miracle, but it pointed to the fact that Jesus was the resurrection and the life. What is the message in this one? That physical bread will fill you temporarily, but spiritual bread will last forever. The way that we feed an empty world is not by just meeting their physical needs, while we should do that, but it's pointing to their spiritual needs so they can be filled up forever. In John chapter 6, verse 26, the crowds has already been dismissed, and they come back to Jesus the next day. And they want another meal. They were like, hey, you gave us dinner last night. That fish and shrimp was great. Fish and chips 
Fish and bread, I got to get it right. Fish and bread was wonderful, but I need something else. They expect another meal. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs I performed, but because you ate loaves and had your fill. Listen, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man would give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. The greatest thing that we can give an empty world is an encounter with Jesus Christ. Because when people encounter Jesus, they'll have the spiritual need and the spiritual emptiness fulfilled forever. They'll have their eternity secured. The church, my hope for Project Church is that as you go throughout your day and as this church continues to progress, that God allows people who are spiritually empty to show up and that you become the church that fills them up every single time. Will you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father in heaven, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this church, for this community. And I thank you for the opportunity you give each of us to fill an empty world. Father, right now I want to pray specifically for those who are here today who have never given their lives to you. They never trusted you as their Lord and Savior. They never come to the point where they've said, Lord, I want to follow you with my whole heart. If that's you this morning, you want to follow Christ with your whole heart. You want to give your life to him. You want to be filled by him. Just simply repeat this prayer to me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to save me. I believe your son Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead. Lord, I pray that I will find my satisfaction in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate Jesus one time? Let's stand to our feet. Let's continue to worship. Thank you all so much for your time. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.